0: So I invested my time and that is something that I am so grateful for because you can, you can basically sell a product and throw money at ads and that can work. You can get the ROI on that, but it doesn't give you the ability to build a brand and a community and loyal customers. And um, that's something that I am super proud of.
1: Brand start goes healthy features founders and CEOs of healthy food and beverage companies who share their biggest successes, hardest failures, strategic learnings, insights, and tactical tips so you can learn from them and help you avoid mistakes and instead succeed in building your own healthy food and beverage brands. If you lead a vegan, plant-based, organic, all-natural, functional, and other healthy food and beverage company, then this show is for you. Hosted by Leonard Grape, founder and CEO of The Vineyard, the brand development company for the healthy food and beverage industry.
2: Before we dive deep in today's interview, I just want to share with you that our mission at The Vineyard as the brand development company for the healthy food and beverage industry is to help founders like you in creating a brand behind your product that people can truly love and in building a business That can thrive and grow this is why i am happy to share with you that we just launched our free cheat sheet for building a successful healthy food and beverage brand just for you it's a quick guide that will lead you through key principles and actionable tips relating to product market fit product positioning direct to consumer and retail design and brand marketing this is a limited-time offer, so be sure to download your copy now. Type this onto your browser, vineyardbc.com. That's vineyardbc.com. Now let's jump onto the show. Hey everybody, it's Leonard here and welcome to another episode of The Brand Start Goes Healthy. I'm joined today by Erika Rienkin, the founder and CEO of Brodo. Canada's first better for you edible cookie dough, which is 100% vegan, contains plant based protein, and uses natural sweeteners. Erica, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me.
2: Before we get going, can you please tell us about yourself and what you do?
0: Sure. So, my name is Erica Rankin. I'm the founder and chief everything officer at Brodo. Um, we make functional, nostalgic snacks like cookie dough. Uh, based out of Toronto, Canada. And then on the side, I have Grow with Erica, where I help founders or um, I guess entrepreneurs grow followings organically on social media platforms like LinkedIn, TikTok, and Instagram.
2: Okay. Thanks for sharing that. The first official question I like to ask in this podcast is, how did your brand start? Where and when did you get the idea to start Brodo?
0: hmm. So I actually um, used to make this product for myself back in 2018. When I competed in bodybuilding, um, I had to break up with a lot of my favorite sweets. And one of them was cookie dough. So I would make this version of cookie dough for myself and it had added protein, cleaner ingredients, less sugar, um, just like a, a healthier treat, I guess. And then um, I started working my nine to five was listening to entrepreneurship podcasts at my desk. And got exposed to that lifestyle and started to learn more about it and got really curious. Quit my 9 to 5, went backpacking through Southeast Asia and met entrepreneurs on my trip. And then I got home and realized, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. And I decided to package and sell that product that I used to make for myself, that cookie dough, as Brodo later that year.
2: Did I catch that correctly? You quit your 9 to 5 job without... Having Brodo like fully, fully conceptualized it is that correct? Did I get that correctly?
0: Yeah, I guess I didn't have any idea of what I wanted to do. I had basically hit like existential crisis mode, I guess you can call it. I was Mm twenty three. I was working a job that was deeply unfulfilling. I was not making a lot of money. My contract was about to renew, and I thought, you know, I grew up in a very small town. I never really saw anything outside of this town. Um, And I also felt very privileged. And I wanted to just immerse myself in another culture and try something new and do the things that scare me because I was very comfortable and complacent with where I was. So I decided to, you know, book a one way trip to Thailand. And then I ended up staying for like three months. And I did Singapore, Indonesia, Malaysia, um, and fell in love with travel. And on that trip is when I got I guess the inspiration to become an entrepreneur and try to do my own thing because I started meeting people with all different backgrounds um, doing all different types of businesses and the one thing they all had in common is that they were so like you could you could feel the passion when you talk to them Um, and they spoke about their work and that was something that I never got to experience before you know when you work in an office environment and everyone's pretty miserable for the most part and you can tell they don't want to be there (laughs) Mm -hmm. so to go from that environment to you know sitting on a beach in Thailand and like a girl's like sitting beside me working on her laptop and you know it's a very interesting transition I guess
2: yeah. Wow. And good for you. Congratulations. It takes a lot of courage and I can definitely relate to that. It takes a lot of courage, got, and risk for you to just jump on, quit your nine to five job and then pursue what you want. Take us back. Like when, when you had that inspiration that you wanted to be an entrepreneur and then you said you started creating cookie dough mainly for healthy cookie dough, mainly for yourself. When you Now made the decision, okay, this is the idea that I want to push through and really pursue and try and grow. What were the first few steps that you had to do uh, to really get it going, Erica?
0: Mm -hmm. When I got home, I Googled business workshop near me and I drove 45 minutes to the closest business resource center and I learned how to write a business plan, um, how to market my product, how to build a brand. Uh, how to manage cash flow. And it was me and I think there were 30 other new entrepreneurs um, that were all in the same room in the same boat and had no idea what we were getting ourselves into and had all different types of businesses. And, um, So that was step one. And then the next step was, okay, now I have to like build a brand. I went on Fiverr, got my logo made for 50 bucks. I designed my own labels. Mm -hmm. Again, I have no background experience in food, did not know what I was doing. I went to school for psychology and it was kind of like starting, embarking on a new um, MBA, I guess, so to speak, or like getting a new degree and just figuring it all out on your own, right? Not really having a teacher. And everything I learned was just through the internet basically. And I found a commercial kitchen that was like six hours away from where I grew up. Um, Cause I couldn't afford to live in Toronto, like the bigger city near me. So I thought it'd be really nice to have a fresh start. So I packed all my stuff into my Jeep. I found a roommate online. I never met her before I moved in mm-hmm. with her. I think my rent was like 700 bucks a month or something. So it was totally doable. And, um, yeah, I had started making the product myself in a kitchen and again, like it was very scrappy and I look back at some of the things that I did and it's kind of crazy. Like I would store my product in my Jeep for the winter months. Cause I launched in December and Canada is very cold, especially in Ottawa. And I would drive around with my heat off with my product in my car. So it would stay cold. And I would like wear like mittens and hat like in my car driving around because I couldn't afford cold storage at the time. And I had a roommate, so I couldn't just store all my cookie dough like in our fridge and freezer, right? So yeah, I kind of did weird things like that. And then eventually I bought like a freezer and then I had that in my living room. And yeah, it was just very, very scrappy and DIY at the beginning.
2: Talk about real entrepreneurial spirit, Erica, and then just really going at it and, and doing things, right? Just to make it happen. You, you mentioned something about, branding. You started and I saw a post that you had on LinkedIn where you shared a snapshot of your brand development journey with Brodo. So back in back when you started, you're really a solopreneur. As you said, it's it's DIY labels. Uh, Your brand was made out of fiber. But after some time, you did a professional rebrand, right? And you even launched something you recently with your product, uh, which signifies sort of an involvement with your business and brand. So I'm curious to ask, what was your thought process behind this progress and why was it important for you to do a professional rebrand for Brodo?
0: So one of the main things, I guess I didn't want to invest in all of that from the beginning because I wasn't entirely sure if this business was going to (laughs) work. So I thought, okay, let's be really scrappy at the beginning and not spend a lot of money. And once I get it off the ground and people are buying it, you know, the brand is pretty strong. Um, I'm, proving there's a product market fit, then I can start investing into um, getting, you know, a a brand development agency to do the work for me and make it look very consistent and clean and have a strong identity, especially when you get into retail. It's really important um, because, you know, it's one thing for people to come and buy your product online. And I did build my company online for the first two years. People would come and find me it's different when you're on shelf, right? Like there's the five foot rule or whatever it is. And someone is standing in front of a shelf. So what is going to make them pick your product up off of the shelf? And it's the packaging and the way things are laid out and the hierarchy, like there's a whole psychology to it. Um, And that was something that was completely new to me. And even um, my website, everything was kind of very like, You know, it worked. It got me to where I needed to go, but it was a little janky. It needed a little love. So when I brought in um, the agency, they kind of made everything come together and it was very consistent. The messaging was strong. It had a stronger identity. And um, even with like social media and stuff, like having the assets all match and it be very consistent across all platforms, because it can be confusing and there can be some disconnect.
2: That's that's 100% true. That That's how important branding is. And I'm really happy to hear that. And would you say that that rebranding process had an impact with, with your business, Erica?
0: It definitely helped um, 100%. And I'm really glad that I did it. And again, it's like an evolution. You're always going to be making changes. Um, the second that you finish something and it's done, then you go out into the market or you get more research and you collect data and you talk to your customers and you realize, oh, maybe I need to like tweak this or change this messaging a little bit, or even with your social media, like the way you communicate and the, 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 high, the product features of your, whatever you're selling, right? Like maybe that needs to be modified as you grow and progress, right? With the company. So it's been a really great way to learn. Um, and also again, we're like making additional changes to the brand. We're kind of going through a brand refresh because I found with my old packaging that was in retail, the layout of it was a little bit confusing. Like we had this ain't your mama's cookie dough and big font. And then Brodo was like a tiny logo. And people thought that the brand was this ain't your mama's cookie dough. But the reasoning why we made that so big was because like, I'm not Nike. I'm not Adidas and people aren't really going to know what Brodo is if that's front and center. Whereas if it's cookie dough, people know what it is. So, but then in doing that, we found that there was a little bit of confusion. So Yeah, it's just, you know, um, you try something, if it works, great, you keep running in that direction. And if something isn't working, then you make those changes that you need to make.
2: Exactly. Brand development takes time and it requires a lot of iteration. Aside from having, you know, a structured process really understanding what are the things that you should be looking at, it takes time. So I think that's a good indication of how Founders within the industry should really have to always be conscious about what the market is saying about your product. Like, is your packaging really working? Because it might not have a direct impact, and because compared to like other sales that sales activities that you'll be doing, right? But it would definitely impact your business overall. So thank you for sharing that, Erica. Uh, it it shows that you're you're someone who's a go getter, uh, and you've been very transparent in sharing some of your milestones and even setbacks in your journey. I'm curious, what were some of the biggest struggles that you've had to face uh, in building your business and what did you do to overcome them?
0: Yeah, I I guess there's been a lot, honestly. I think the biggest thing for me is in the early days when um, I was doing everything on my own, I am very stubborn and I wanted to do everything myself. And I always said no to getting like help with people to offer me help. And I said, no, like I can do it. It's fine. And this really stunted my growth because I was doing everything and you can't do that. You can do that if you want to stay small and have like a super small business. That's totally fine. But I wanted to grow and my goals were to grow nationally into stores and scale and grow my team. Um, And it took way longer to hire that first employee. I wish that I did that sooner Mm because it made a huge difference. Um, so definitely that. And um again, like, you know, when you're having a hard day and you're a solopreneur and you've got to get out of bed and go to the kitchen and make like five hundred jars of cookie dough and you're just, you know, like there have been days when I would go to the kitchen and I would just listen to music and cry as I was screwing hundreds of lids on cookie dough (laughs) jars. But I did it, you know, because uh discipline trumps motivation all the time, right? Like you have to be very disciplined and That's what I would just tell myself is five, four, three, two, one, go. Like, don't even think about it. I have to go. I have to um, get in there and get it done and implementing non-negotiable. So the other thing that I really struggled with is I think many of us fall prey to hustle culture and you think it's normal to like, when you become an entrepreneur, a lot of people are raw, raw, like 5am, wake up, you know? Um, I read, I meditate, I do this, I do this, I work for 15 hours a day, you know, I sleep for four or five hours. Um, That's not sustainable for the majority of the population. And when I first started my journey, I thought, oh, business is more important than my health. I don't have time to work out, I need to go to bed really late and work really late and wake up early and work early and not take breaks. And, um, when you do that, it can work for you, but you're going to get burnt out and then you're not going to be good for anyone or anything for like sometimes weeks or months at a time. So, um, I went through that. I got burnt out. And then now I have, that's why it's so important for me to exercise every morning. It's like my time. I wake up, I go, I do my class. I come back, I eat breakfast. I listen to a podcast, you know, um, because the, the more you pour into yourself and take care of yourself, you can take care of other areas of your business. So I would say that's a huge thing for me.
2: I totally agree. And thank you for being open and sharing that. I have talked to a lot of healthy food and beverage founders and even other entrepreneurs in general. And the same is true. You you can like really pour everything out on your business, but sooner or later, it will hunt you back. Uh, and you'll realize that nothing is going to well, I would say nothing's going to worth more important than than your health, for example, or whatever your non-negotiables are. So I think this this can serve as a public service announcement, right? So find something that's going to be more sustainable for you. Uh, because if you're running a business, if you're in the journey of entrepreneurship, you're playing the long game, right? So it, it's not like uh, you're just going to be here for a few years, but if you want to really succeed, you're going to have to play the long game. So I appreciate you sharing that. Uh. Talking about growth, okay. If you're, if you're comfortable to share, like, where are you at now in terms of revenue? Or are you seeing the growth that you want? Uh, where do you want to take your business? Like, what's the big picture for Brodo, Erica?
1: Hi, thank you for listening to Brand Start. We are pausing for a quick break. Are you planning to launch a new healthy F&B product in the market? Unsure of how to position and brand it? Or maybe you want to relaunch an existing healthy F&B brand to help increase sales and customer loyalty. Well then, you've come to the right place. At The Vineyard, we help healthy F&B companies in building brands that stand out on the shelves, increase product sales, and drive repeat purchase. If you're interested in working with us, head on to www.thevineyardbc.com to jumpstart your brand development journey.
0: Yeah, so I mean, we're not profitable yet. And it's been very difficult because I've made so many pivots. Um, like we did the first year... Um, It was pretty good. I broke even second year, 2021, um, lost a little bit of money, but it wasn't terrible. Last year, lost more money (laughs) um, just because we've invested in, you know, um, retail and we're working with distributors and, you know, um, packaging and website, like all of these things are just investments that will eventually pay off. Um, And then this year, again, we're pivoting. So we're actually delisting all of our current products and launching new ones. So we haven't been selling for the past like, like two to three months ish. Um, So that's been very challenging. And I'm like, you know, ready to launch, but we're waiting for packaging and you know, ingredients. And once we have all those things that we can launch into the market, but CPG, it just takes so long because there's so many moving parts. And it's not just as simple as being like, okay, we're taking this product out of your store and launching a new one, it's like, no, well, we have a planogram that you need to follow and we can launch it in like eight weeks time or whatever. You have to work with the retailer um, and work around their planogram and their schedule. So um, I guess for now, um, I like to think long-term, but at the same time, I like to like look at what's directly in front of me and focus on that. And we're going to launch this brand new product into like the 120 stores that we're currently in and continue to scale that out. Um, and hopefully two or three X um, that store count by the end of the year. And then next year, open up the West in Canada, focus on Canada, um, and then eventually get into the U.S. And we are working on stuff for the U.S., but just D to C. So that won't be launching into retail, but it will be available um, probably towards the end of the summer this year.
2: Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That That is an important acumen to have, like understanding how you will have that delicate balance of, to some extent, even sacrificing short-term revenues, right? Uh, because you're looking at long term more sustainable growth down the line so kudos to you but what are you looking at like in terms of potential return or profitability what are you looking at down the line and how are you balancing that act of okay it's a, we're, we're going to have to like push back some of the launch plans we're going to have to pivot again and yeah this will hit us over the short term or at least in the in the near term in terms of our projected revenue but down the line if we do things well will of course recoup all the the potential returns that we're looking at.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, food is like such a long play and the margins when you're small are not as strong as you want them to be. So it's all about volume. So the problem that we were facing currently with my old products, like we had tubs of cookie dough, it had six servings in it. It was 10 bucks on shelf. It wasn't getting the turns that retailers want the velocity wasn't there so it wasn't selling in those hundred stores at the rate that it should have right so if it's not selling at a, in a hundred stores what's the point in launching that same product into a thousand stores like yeah you're going to get more sales on paper but then next year like what is that going to look like are those retailers going to continue to order when it's not selling they're probably going to delist you and then you're going to have a dip in top line revenue and that's not going to look good. And then you're going to have to pull back, re like innovate, fix whatever problems it is, and then launch it again. And when you do that on a larger scale, it's so much more expensive. Um, brands have lost millions of dollars, you know, for having like those mistakes. Like the price needs to be like on point. It needs to work for both the retailer and the consumer, the packaging, the serving size, the copy that you have on the packaging, all of that stuff needs to be really dialed in for you. Retail, And um, I guess the thing that really struck me was, um, I guess, looking around at other brands and seeing them launch so quickly into so many stores without really proving the product in those stores or even where it's merchandised as well. There's so many things that go into it. So I'm kind of looking at it as delayed gratification. We tested something Um, saw what was working what wasn't working went back to the drawing board yes it did take like we've been doing this for six months now and it has been a lot of cost up front Um, but I am currently in the middle of a raise and a lot of that money is going towards this innovation and launching these products into the market and then we'll probably raise again in 2024 just to kind of get us through that next phase of growth Um, but I don't think it's really possible, especially now with the way that everything is and inflation. And we are in a recession and people aren't spending the same. It's really hard to grow a food or beverage company when you don't have the means to like the capital to back it. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what I'm learning. And you can only take on so much debt.
2: Correct. Correct. And even though the game of raising capital would have to be really very strategic, uh, and and that's a whole different conversation but i'm i'm rooting for you and it all things said and done it still sounds very exciting uh for for brodo so i really hope things get get better for you down the line uh eric i want to shift our conversation a little bit and talk about marketing uh like can can you share with us what are some some of the key mm-hmm. initiatives that you've done on the marketing front that has really helped you uh in terms of growing your your business
0: yeah um i was very scrappy from the beginning. Um, I didn't have, you know, the resources or the money to pay for paid ads, um, and invest in marketing, so to speak. So I invested my time. And that is something that I am so grateful for because you can build a really, you can, you can basically sell a product and throw money at ads and that can work. You can get the ROI on that, but it doesn't give you the ability to build a brand and a community and loyal customers. And um, that's something that I am super proud of, um, like across all of my social platforms. I think collectively there's 260,000 people um, and all of that has been purely organic. And that's just been me showing up every day, most days. Um, and being consistent and being vulnerable and honest. And, you know, rather than the company being very product based, um, it's been more so like human based. And I've been the front of the brand, the face of the brand. And when people have been messaging my Instagram account or TikTok or commenting or whatever, it's me who they're talking to. And not only do they know Brodo is Brodo, but Erica from Brodo, they know who they're talking to. Um, I've been able to build like a very close personable relationship with many of my customers. Some of them are even my friends. Um, They become my friends, which has been really cool and they've been super supportive. And um, yeah, some of them I used to do hand deliveries to like every Friday back when I started my business, like in 2020. Um, And they've kind of seen it all the way through and been along for the ride. So I guess For me, it's just having the mentality of like one customer at a time. And that's the way that I took it is just one person. I really care about this one person. I need to make an incredible experience for them. And then, you know, whatever next person, okay, I need to make an incredible experience for them. And then word of mouth is so powerful, right? Like if you do something that your competitors aren't doing and you're giving someone an unforgettable experience, they're going to brag about you and they're going to talk about you and the way that you made them feel. And that's always what I want to think about is how am I making them feel on the other end? I don't just want to sell, sell, sell and promote. And, you know, like shove products in their faces because people will buy from you if they want to, they don't want to be told that they need to buy from you. They're going to go do it on their own if they want to. So I think people forget that sometimes when you're a founder, you're so in it and you think like, Oh, I need to talk about my product or service and promote it and sell it and, no, it's more so you give, 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 and then you have an offer, and then you give, 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 and then you have an offer, and it builds trust too, and then people, you know, they're gonna want to support you, and they're gonna want to help you, and be with you for the long run. So that was a lot, but you know,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's very, very true, especially now, uh, nowadays. I think you're you're right when you said it has to be more focused on human being human centric than than being product centric like there's a lot of entrepreneurs right now who really share like their journey and people buy into that and then they'll support you and then part of it of course would be uh, supporting your product so so thanks for sharing that uh, a couple more questions before we wrap things up Erica additional on on the marketing front i wanted to like zero in on tiktok because uh, i know you you do well with with your tiktok account like can you share some some quick strategies or tactical tips that other healthy FNB founders can also take advantage of this platform?
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so TikTok, I got on there probably like two years ago, and it just comes down to showing up consistently on there. Um, I think people have the impression that you can have like one viral video and you're going to sell out or you're going to get a bunch of customers and get a big ROI. And that's not necessarily always the case. I think it's a really great platform for community building, virality, getting eyes on your brand. Um, it is a little bit more difficult now to get uh, organic reach on the for you page just because there's so many sponsored posts now. So every like, I don't know, five out of 10 posts that you see on your for you page are paid. So you have, you know, there's five videos or spaces for you to like make, it onto the page organically, so it is a little more difficult. Um, but like posting consistently, consistent means like whatever is you know sustainable for you. It's not posting three times a day for a week and then not posting for months, right? Like it's better to post a few times a week consistently if that's what works for you, and um, not getting hung up on views because people think, oh, like this video got a hundred thousand views, that's a good video. I'm going to keep making videos like that. But um, I think focusing on the ratio is really important. It's more impressive having like a 5,000 views and 1,000 likes than 100,000 views and 500 likes because something was wrong there. There was a disconnect. People didn't find it you know interesting enough or they didn't engage with it. There was something that was missing there. But yeah, I mean, sharing your story, that's a big one. Getting people to know you um, and trying to not talk about your product that much. Um, more so if you're going to talk about it, talk about the problems that you're solving and why you created the product or service that you're offering. And then getting your audience to see you and know who you are. It's a lot more, um, powerful if you have a face to the account because it is, um, easier to connect and people know what they're getting, it's consistent. Versus if you just have a bunch of like user generated content videos or product videos, or there's no people in there, um, it can be confusing. And then it's also like a mismatch of content and people don't really understand what your platform or your, your TikTok account is for. So again, consistently posting and then consistent messaging and consistent faces in there too.
2: Thank you for sharing that, Erica. I want to do a quick recap of some of the highlights that I've gotten so far from our conversation. Um, One is if you have something that you want to pursue, pursue it with, with your drive, but be sure to equip yourself. And at the beginning, it's important that you become scrappy, stubborn, and just grind it out. But making sure that you're looking at how you're validating your product market fit. Branding is is a critical component of your business. You have to understand what makes customers pick your product, what's the psychology behind your design, Like, how are you going to layer all of your brand elements, understand what are the key message points that you'll convey. All of these elements would really help you, especially so if you're a brand who's looking into getting into retail, so you really need to have all of those elements dialed in. Um, be sure that you're expecting also a lot lots of struggles that will come your way. But in your experience, in particular, Erica, actually, that that willingness to accept and get help, um, because sometimes if you just want to do everything uh, on your own, it might really staunch your growth as compared to like having some benefit from from it. Mm-hmm. I also love when you share. Be wary about the hustle culture. So, you know, like do what's best for you. But at the end of the day, you should really find something that would be sustainable for, for your entrepreneurial journey. Um, It's also a, a, a huge factor or a huge uh, sharing that you had be the importance of balancing short-term and long-term goals. Uh, understanding how you have that delicate balance. Because sometimes it's going to be, I, I can just imagine how difficult it would be to like just shell out at front. But if you understand your numbers, you know where you're going then it's something that you can, can really benefit your business over the long term. In terms of marketing, at the beginning, if you don't have the resources to, to really hire somebody else or hire external agencies or help, then you can invest your time uh, just so to get, get something going. And then the principle that can work for a lot of brands is really focusing on a human-based messaging and marketing as compared to just product-based. I would say if you want to curate, for example, your social media platform, don't focus on just sharing the product features or product ingredients. We might as well curate something that people can, can come together as a community. As you said, they'll buy from you anyway when they want to, but you have to focus on giving and giving and giving. Um, But in particular, for TikTok, it's nice to know that it's really all about showing up consistently. And I think across all the aspects of your entrepreneurial journey, that's one thing that you'll have to always bring with you. Show up consistently, focus on ratio than just virality, share your story, and of course, highlight the problem that you're solving. Is that a fair recollection of what some of the items that you shared and anything you want to add to that, Erica?
0: No, you hit the nail on the head. That was a beautiful summary.
2: Okay, for my final question, I, I want to make this a little bit on a personal note. Obviously, entrepreneurship is hard. Uh, you've shared some of the struggles that you've had to face, but it seems that you're you're having fun in this adventure. So, my my last question before we go to the final segment would be: What do you value as a founder and as uh, and as a business owner? Like, what's important for you that keeps you going despite all the the challenges that you'll have to go through in this uh, entrepreneurial path, Erica?
0: There's a lot of things for me like something that is really important is personal development and I journal like I'm very good at like writing down things and reflecting on things and just expressing gratitude and I look back at who I was like three years ago or four years ago prior to starting my company and like the evolution of yeah I have my company but as my company has evolved I've evolved And um, the uh, impact that I've had on the community and the way that I'm able to give back just because of all of the learnings that I put myself through, that's how I kind of keep going is okay I'm struggling yes but I'm learning I'm growing and I'm able to use all of these experiences the good and the bad to give back and help others and you know I remember how I felt when I first embarked on my journey and it's terrifying and I would go and find people to seek mentorship from and now I'm a mentor to many founders so um, it's like this big cycle and that's what keeps me going so
2: Yeah, that's a powerful one. And thank you for sharing, Erica. But I'd like us to go now to the last segment of the show, which I call The Finish Line. So it's basically a lightning round. And I have five questions for you that I want you to answer as concise as possible. Are you ready? But I'm nervous. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's do this. First question, characteristic that an entrepreneur must have to succeed. Discipline. Second is any book or podcast that you want to recommend for entrepreneurs to read or listen to?
0: Yeah, The Power of One More by Ed Milet.
2: Next one, complete this sentence. Success is?
0: Emptying the tank.
2: Hmm. The next one is, if you're not an entrepreneur now, what do you think would you be instead?
0: I don't know. That's like a really hard question. I don't know what I would be. I think I would be working on a horse farm somewhere.
2: <laughs> okay, that's an interesting answer. And finally, Erica, why do you think someone should start his <laughs> or her own healthy food and beverage brand?
0: Because you get to make the world a healthier place and you get to create a product with your own two hands that people love and spend their hard-earned money on. And there's nothing cooler than that.
2: Yeah, right on the spot. Thank you so much, Erica, for your time and for being here, for being so generous in sharing your story and insights. But before I let you go, can you please tell us where's the best place for people to learn about you and Brodo?
0: Totally. So they can connect with me on LinkedIn, Erica Rankin. Our I guess social media handles for Brodo is e Brodo. And then I have my personal website, growitherica.com.
2: Yeah, we'll make sure to link those up in our show notes. Once again, thank you so much for being here, Erica, and all the best and may God bless you.
1: Thank you for listening to Brand Start Goes Healthy. If you find this podcast helpful, help us help others by sharing this with someone from the healthy food and beverage sector. If you need more free resources to help you navigate the intricacies of building a healthy F&B brand, visit our website at www.thevineyardbc.com.